Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. Welcome this morning. I got a message for you guys. Um, Last week, I, I gave a message called, His Bark is louder than his bite. And uh, because two weeks ago, the Lord gave me a dream. I won't go into the dream, but the Lord really spoke clearly to me that I needed to talk about how we have um, the enemy of your soul is a defeated foe. And many times his bark is louder than his bite. And I'm going to do kind of a review and before we get into new content, but I'm going to do a part two um, of of that today. Um, really, there's two sides of the same coin when it comes to the enemy of our soul. The first side is that we do have a real adversary. And many Christians would do well to realize that we have an adversary, that there is a real enemy that is against us in this world. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 2.11, not to be ignorant of the enemy's schemes. The enemy of your soul has some schemes. He tries to play against you. In fact, I would say that this enemy of your soul probably studies you to realize what is your, what is the specific scheme that gets to you? What is the thing that can get at you? What is the thing that makes you worry at night? What is the thing that makes you prideful? What is the thing that makes you fall into lust? What is the thing that makes you fall into greed? I I would propose that the enemy of your soul actually studies you to find out your weakness. We would do well to realize there is an enemy, there is an adversary, And this adversary needs to be opposed in this world. The second side, the other side of that same coin is that we have a defeated foe. And we would do well to realize that as well. Okay? So that's what we were talking about last week. And I have, um, the the Bible mentions five distinct demotions that Satan has undertaken um, five times where he has been further reduced. And we got to three of those last week. We're going to do the other two this week. <clears throat> the goal of, of this message and le- this last message is that you would actually have an accurate view of yourself. Okay, it's not so much that we'd highlight, you know, I don't like being too devil-focused, to be honest. I think we should be more Jesus-focused, more God-focused than we are devil-focused. But I really, I want you to have an accurate view of who God has created you to be, okay? So that's the goal of this message. Uh, many believers kind of live with a defensive view. Like, I gotta get my walls up, you know? And I'm just waiting for Jesus to return and this life is something to be endured, not something to overcome, right? Listen, the rapture is not a rescue mission. For those of you who don't know, the rapture is a wedding, okay? God's not coming back to rescue, he's coming back to redeem us, to bring us back to him, amen? Okay, so... Many Christians just have a defensive view that there's nothing good in this world and we just got to get through it. Listen, God wants us to be victorious overcomers in this world, victorious overcomers in your life, okay? So the title of my message today is called Enforce the Victory. Before I get into the new content, I just want to do a quick review of where we were at last week. There's five um, distinct emotions that the Bible talks about the, the enemy of our soul undertook. The first one was that our, the enemy of our soul was kicked out of heaven, okay? Satan was kicked out of heaven. Originally, Satan was one of three archangels in heaven, and he was in charge of actually the praise and worship in heaven. Satan was in charge of the praise. He's a worship leader in heaven. Um, Satan, the, the, the name Satan, um, he was originally called Lucifer, which means light bearer. 
And the, and the Bible talks about that not only did he sound amazing, he looked amazing. Like he was a beautiful angel, a beautiful angelic creature that was supposed to bring praise and glory to God. Okay, the Bible, um, I, I mentioned this last week, but in the, the word Lucifer in the Bible, the Hebrew word for that actually only occurs once in the Bible. But the root word for that one, okay, does that make sense? So there's Lucifer, there's a Hebrew word, then there's a root word. So the word Lucifer only occurred once in the Bible in Hebrew. The root word for that occurred 165 times in the Bible, and it literally means praise. It's the Hebrew word halal. It means praise, to boast, to shine forth, to to be clamorously foolish, like to, to give a praise to God. That was Satan's original design and plan, was to give praise to God. And the word halal is used all over in the Bible, talking about giving and bringing praise before God. Okay, why was Satan cast out? Is Isaiah chapter 14, verse 11 through 12, it says this. Your pomp has brought you down to Sheol. So your, your pride has brought you down to hell. The sound of your stringed instruments. The maggot is spread under you and the worms cover you. How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground. You who weakened the nations. Okay, so why was he, why was he cast down? It was because of pride. He actually... Um, not only did he um, was this beautiful creature, but he thought, maybe I should receive some of this worship. Maybe, you know, God's being praised, worship. Maybe I should get some of this. Maybe I should get all of this. Maybe I should overthrow the throne of God. Okay, this is why Satan was cast to this earth. The devil was cast down. But listen, I want to say this morning, you and I have been brought near. We've been brought near by the blood of Jesus. And we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, okay? So that's demotion number one. The second demotion of Satan is that ever since Genesis chapter three, Satan has lived with an impending sense of doom, okay? In Genesis chapter three, um, Satan succeeded in getting Adam and Eve to sin, and not only did they, when they sinned, not only did they disobey God, they actually obeyed the devil. And this was a, a valid attempt by the enemy to take rulership of this world because rulership, dominion, and authority had been given to Adam and Eve, right? So it was a valid attempt to usurp um, Adam and Eve's God-given authority in this world and to take that from them. The, initially, Satan did succeed, but God had a plan. Everyone say, God had a plan. God had a plan. This plan was first foreshadowed in Genesis 3 when God pronounced a curse over our adversary. Okay, it says this, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God says this, I will put enmity or or hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Okay, this is the first foreshadowing. This is the first messianic prophecy of Jesus, the first foreshadowing of Jesus. It says, he will crush your head, Satan. You will, yes, you'll bruise his heel. Yes, he'll go to the cross. Yes, he'll get injured. He'll get wounded, but he's going to totally crush your head. Okay, this is the first foreshadowing of Jesus in the entire Bible. Okay, so from that point forward, there was a sense of impending doom that Satan had. Interestingly enough, because he's he, he talking about Eve, he, she said, he said that I will put hostility be, between you and the woman. He will crush your head and, and your seed and, and her seed. He will crush your head. So Satan knew from that point, okay, there's a male child that's going to be born at some point that's the Messiah that's going to try to take back the keys of the kingdom and death, right? And so how many know that several times in scripture after that, 
there was a plot to kill all the baby boys, right? You guys remember Moses? There was a plot to kill all the, all the baby boys. When, when Jesus was born, there was a plot to kill all the baby boys. And of course, Joseph had those word of knowledge, or, or a dream, I guess God spoke to him in a dream, to flee to Egypt to keep Jesus from being killed as a baby, okay? So Satan knew at some point there's a Messiah coming, a male child who's gonna take back the keys of the kingdom, okay? So that brings us, and he tried to stop it, but he didn't. That brings us to what happened 2,000 years ago where Satan was ultimately defeated. Satan was defeated, point number three, the third demotion, he was defeated on the cross, all right? We sang about the blood of Jesus today, the blood that was shed for you and for me. And listen, everything that needed to be done to disarm the enemy of your soul had, has been done and it happened on the cross. Everything that can be done to redeem you, to bring you back to God, has been done, okay? That happened on the cross. Colossians chapter two, verses 13 through 15, it says this. When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken away, nailing it to the cross. He took care of it on the cross. Verse 15, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, okay, so that's speaking of Satan and his demons, having disarmed the powers and authorities in spiritual realms, right? He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them on the cross. Okay, so actually, I don't even know that Satan had this idea that like, if Jesus goes to the cross, he's actually paying for the sins of the world. I think like, I think Satan actually thought, I finally got him. I'm gonna kill this male child who's supposed to be the Messiah to, re to take back the keys of the kingdom, to take back the keys of the earth, the title deed to the earth, and forever redeem every humanity. But what probably he thought was a victory was actually his greatest demise. Because on the cross was our greatest victory. His victory was our victory. Amen? Come on, guys. It's good stuff. <clears throat> so everything that can be done to defeat the enemy of your soul has been done, and that happened on the cross. Now... Do we currently see a full manifestation of the kingdoms of this world becoming the kingdoms of our God? Do we currently see a full manifestation of no sickness in our bodies? Do we currently see a full manifestation of um, the whole world under the control and rulership of, of Jesus and total justice? No, we don't currently see that. But things have been set in motion. Okay, it's only a matter of time for things to play out. The, the, the cross was the ultimate victory. It's only a matter of time for things to play out. I gave this example last week, but it's like in, in World War II, there was a major turning point where, in the war where the Allied forces gained total air supremacy. They, they, there came a point where they dominated the sky. And it didn't matter how much troops, ground troops, that the Nazis had, and the um, Japanese had. It didn't matter. Once they gained total air supremacy, they, could, they had unchecked bombing raids, and it didn't, it didn't matter. They could be outnumbered. It didn't matter. They just had unchecked bombing raids, and they had total air supremacy. And even though that, that war um, went on for another year and a half, it drug on for another year and a half, it was really that turning point where, where the Allied forces gained total air superiority, okay? I, I watched a, a documentary this week on the Six-Day War, when Israel was fighting all of the nations around it, the Six-Day War. And Israel was outnumbered in every way possible. They had less planes, they had less tanks, they had less men than, than the nations surrounding them. 
But what Israel did is they had a preemptive strike on Egypt. They didn't have enough planes to fight three wars against three different nations. So they had a preemptive strike and they ran their planes 24 hours a day, just mission after mission after mission, and they bombed the runways of Egypt. And Egypt had all these planes, they couldn't get them off the ground because Israel destroyed all the runways. Okay, what did they do? Even though they had less planes, less forces, they gained air superiority, air supremacy, by taking out their ability to get planes in the sky, okay? From that point, they just took out all their planes and then the convoys of tanks and, and all that stuff, they just bombed without, without retaliation, basically. That's how they won the Six-Day War. Listen, that happened for you and for me on the cross, and it's only a matter of time for that to play out, amen? That's good news for you and me. Okay, so let's get into some new content. We're gonna talk about <clears throat> the fourth demotion of Satan, and the fourth demotion is this, believers enforcing the victory. This is a demotion for the enemy of your soul when you and I enforce the victory that Jesus actually won on the cross, okay? And this is where we're gonna spend, we'll spend the majority of our time talking about this point. <clears throat> when we enforce the victory that Jesus purchased for us on the cross, this is a humiliating blow to the enemy of your soul. Okay, first I'll tell you why, and then I'll talk a little bit about like how, we, how we can enforce that victory. Why is this true? Why is it a humiliation for humans to have authority over the enemy? Listen, it's one thing, right, for God to like usurp the enemy and have authority over the enemy. Like, the enemy's not a problem for God, right? Satan's not a problem for God. He's not the opposite of God. God could snap his fingers and the enemy could be eliminated completely, right? That's not a problem for him. The, the, the enemy's never been a problem for God, but it's a totally different thing when weak and feeble and fallible humans are empowered by the Holy Spirit and can take authority over the, over the kingdom of darkness. That's a totally different thing, okay? This is a humiliation to the enemy of your soul. Now, um, I'll give you an example uh, of how it's like God could snap us. I will say this, God gets more, I would say this, God probably gets more glory through flowing through weak, fallible humans and empowering us by the Holy Spirit, right? Washing us with his blood, empowering us by his spirit. He gets more glory flowing through us than he would could he, he just snap his fingers. He could, he could deal with Satan in an instant. I'll give you an example of this. How many know, like, how many have kids that play, like, a sport? You know, you go to their sport. And when they're really little, like, they're, there's, my daughter's nine, so I think I could still beat her at soccer, right? I know there's coming a day where she'll probably beat me, you know? She'll probably be faster than me. I get all that, okay. But when I go to little girl soccer games, there's sometimes I'm like, get the ball in the goal, you know? And I guess I'm kind of a competitive person. And it's like, do you ever, do you ever imagine yourself running out there and like, I'll show them how to get it done, I'll put it in, you know? Bryce, you ever watch your, your boys wrestling, you're like, shoot, half Nelson, come on, like, you know? You ever have that feeling where you're like, just do, do the thing you wanna run in there and do it. Well, listen, that wouldn't be very awesome to like see a dad run out there. I'm like, what is this guy doing? No one, because no, why? No one came to see that, <laughs> right? No one came to see some dad, like, just, I'm coming in. Yeah, 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 you, the dads could crush all the little girls. Like, everyone knows that, right? <laughs> everyone already knows that they didn't come for that. We know that God could snap his fingers and crush the enemy 
of your soul like an instant, but God gets more glory when sons and daughters empowered by the Holy Spirit enforce the victory that Jesus purchased on the cross, okay? So I have an example of God crushing the enemy, and this is why it's better that we do it. Okay, so go ahead and roll the video. You'll, you'll make sense in a second. Okay, that's what you would expect to see, right? You expect a grown man fighting children. You would expect it to just be like that, right? So that's what would happen if God just decided to snap his fingers and take care of the enemy. But he will get more glory through flowing through you and me. How many well, watch Seinfeld, by the way? Seinfeld? I was born in 80. I grew up in the 90s, so I like Seinfeld. It's a funny show. But anyway, okay. Let me give you a few scriptures to illustrate this, okay? Let me give you a few scriptures of how this is true, that God wants to be glorified through empowering you and me to flow through him. Okay, Ephesians, uh, let's read Ephesians chapter three, verses eight through 12. This is Paul. He says this, although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people. Okay, have you ever felt like that? Less than the least? Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the, to the Gentiles, the boundless riches of Christ, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this ministry, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. Watch this, verse 10. His intent, everyone say intent. So God had a plan, he had an intention. His intent was that now, everyone say now, through the church, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to, look at this, the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms. Okay, God's intent was that now, through you and me, humans, individuals, weak, fallible people, his intent was that the, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known to demons and devils in heavenly places. Okay, it isn't just God doing it, it's God doing it through you. His intent was to use you. His intent was to flow through you. Okay? Let's cooperate with his will. Let's cooperate with that intent. Um, <clears throat> according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in him and through faith in him, we can approach God with freedom and confidence. Or, and, and confidence, yes. Let me give you the, the PKCV version. So the Pastor Kurt Chamberlain version of Ephesians 3.10. God has always planned from the beginning of time that in this present hour, his boundless wisdom would be rubbed in the devil's face through everyday followers of Jesus, okay? That's you, someone like you. God's intent was from the, from the foundation of the world was that his manifold wisdom would be displayed through people like you and people like me, amen, in this world. Okay, let me give you another scripture to, to kind of drive this home. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 29. <clears throat> Uh, this is again Paul. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many um, were of noble birth. 
But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lonely things of this world, to dis- the despised things, things that are not, to nullify the things that are. Why? Verse 29. So that no one may boast before him. Okay, he chose weak humans, fallible humans, to wash in his blood, to empower by his spirit, so that no one could boast before him, he would get all the glory. Okay, he gets the glory when weak humans, fallible humans, get washed in his blood and are empowered by his spirit. Okay, let me ask you a question. And listen, from Genesis, this is true from Genesis to Revelation. God could do it in an instant, right? But he's chosen humans from, from Gen- the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation. Let me ask you a question. Do you ever feel like you have nothing to offer? Have you ever felt like that? I felt like sometimes I have nothing to offer. What am I doing? You know? If you feel like that, listen, you are a prime candidate to be used by God because he uses people who have nothing to offer, okay? You're a prime candidate. Let me, let me, uh, let me give you one more example in Scripture. In Acts chapter 3, uh, uh, Peter, and John, uh, Peter heals a lame beggar. They preach Christ fearlessly. It causes an uproar in the city. And then Peter and John were questioned by the Sanhedrin, and this is, this is the uh, summary of what the Sanhedrin thought of of John and, and Peter. Verse 13, it says this, 4.13. <clears throat> when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. Okay, unschooled, ordinary men. I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you what they were thinking. This is what the Sanhedrin was thinking. How are these backwoods, redneck men from the region of Galilee doing this? How are miracles flowing through them and how are they preaching so fearlessly and with such competence? We know that they're uneducated, ordinary men from Galilee, right? How is this even possible? The, uh, I've, I've said this before in a sermon, but the word ordinary in the Greek, it's um, idiotis, idiotis. It's where we get the word idiot. They're like, these guys are idiots. How, are they, how is the Spirit of God flowing through them? How are they preaching Christ fearlessly? It didn't make sense to them. So who got all the glory for that? God, right? There was no, they, they knew it could only be God. It could only be God. Listen, the only reason I'm up here is because of God. And the only reason you're empowered to do what you're doing is because of God, okay? <clears throat> he gets more glory using people who are more disqualified. The more disqualified you are, the more of a prime candidate you are to be used by him. Amen? Okay. Do you feel like you have nothing to offer? Do you feel like you've been disqualified because of your past? Because of things you did or were done to you? Are you uneducated? Are you poor? Bam, you're a prime candidate to be used by God. Okay? Come on, it brings God glory. When we have a miserable past, we've made huge mistakes, or things were done to us, and God still puts the power of his spirit on us and in spite of all the circumstances around us, and every, <laughs> every circumstance around us, he flows through you. Amen? Recently, I, I went to uh, my 20-year high school uh, reunion, and I was just, I was telling Emily, like, there's this lineup of picture of the whole class, and I was like, no one would ever say that guy should be leading a church. <laughs> I guarantee it. I told her, I was like, this is, it's... <laughs> It's to the glory of God. You would, like, I went back and, like, some of the teachers, like, didn't even know me. You know? And I, at that school, I only went to for a couple of years. But it was like, 
you would not have picked me out of a lineup. There were, there were dozens of other people who were more shining examples of leadership, you know, at that time in my life. Listen, but God chooses the weak things of the world to confound the wise. Amen? So you're a perfect candidate if you feel like you're disqualified, okay? Amen? This furthers to our enemy's humiliation. Now, there are so many angles where I could talk about how we enforce the victory. I could talk about the blood of Jesus and that through the blood of Jesus we have protection and provision and power, right? I could talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's one way we usurp the enemy. I could talk about knowing your identity, knowing your authority. But today, I just want to, I want to just give a couple practical examples of how we can enforce the victory in our lives, okay? So the kingdom of God, many times, it, uh, sometimes we, 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 um, we know God's vision is to take rulership of the, he, he is taking rulership of the whole world. We know that's his vision, right? And that seems so daunting sometimes. It's like, I got to win the world for Jesus. But really, the kingdom of God, the Bible says the kingdom of God is like leaven, it works in and advances a little bit at a time, a little by little, amen? And so those little things that you, you and I do throughout the week, those little ways that God uses us throughout the week, is God's kingdom advancing little by little. I want to encourage you not to, to lose sight of those things, but they, could even, they can be powerful, little but powerful, okay? Um, so sometimes we think the task is so big, we don't realize that it's actually very simple, that's what I want you to walk away today. It's very simple. Okay, so I'm going to give a couple examples of God just doing things through everyday people, okay? And so the first example I have is Garrett. I heard a testimony this week. Come on up here, brother. Yeah. Garrett Vasquez. He was just telling me this story this week. I was like, this is a cool example of God just flowing, flowing through someone. So go ahead and tell us the story. Thank you. Real quick, I just want to thank my brother. When I got here today, he pointed out my shirt was inside out. And so I went to the bathroom and changed. Yeah, yeah. and then he gave me an energy drink, so I'm all shaky. And if I talk for an hour, it's his fault. Uh, to preface the story, pref- that's a word, right? Preface? I went to college for a year. Uh, to preface the story, um, the, person, the other person that the story involves, I work with him. He's one of my best friends in the world. I love him like a brother. Uh, he's not a believer, but that doesn't affect our relationship, and it doesn't affect the love I have for him. So it, it was just important for me to say that because I wouldn't want him to know that I was telling this story and him to think that he's some kind of project of mine or anything, because that's not the case. Come on. Uh, so I'm a tattoo artist. My buddy is also a tattoo artist. We own a shop together. And uh, our stations are like five feet away from each other. We don't want to be too far apart from each other. We like to talk and stuff. Uh, So I was tattooing. He had a client come in. Uh, He went and talked to the client. The client told him what he wanted, blah, blah, blah. Ricky goes in the back. He's going back to make a stencil, which uh, we insert our drawing onto a computer, and it prints out a stencil out of this uh, special printer we have. Um, usually it takes 10 minutes tops. Uh, we can make it take 15 if we don't want to go back out there. But uh, usually it takes about 10 minutes. About 40 minutes passes by. By the way, I have like people I tattoo out here and it's taking like 20 minutes, I'm sorry. But uh, <laughs> I'm just hanging out. So like 40 minutes passes by 
at least. It was a solid 40 minutes, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, dang, wonder what's going on back there. So I take a break. I go in the back. Ricky is sitting at our drawing table, and he's like this. And he's shaking his head. And I was like, dude, what's up, bro? He's like, bro, our computer's busted. It's an old computer. I saw it coming. We both saw it coming. But he's like, computer's busted. I've unplugged it. I put in a new battery. I've tried to restart. Like, it just isn't working at all. And he was like, I'm nervous. I got to go tell my client, like, I can't do it today. They got to come back. And that stinks. That's an awful thing to have to do, honestly. So uh, I was like, shoot, uh, did you... I was halfway joking, if I'm being honest. I was like, dude, did you pray about it? And he looked at me, he was like, okay, bro. And I went, I just put my hand out. This isn't like me at all. I put my hand out and I was like, Jesus, please let this computer work just for right now. We'll go get a new one tomorrow. We've put it off for a long time. Please just let it work. And I pressed the power button, that's all I did. And it turned on and printed his picture immediately. It was wild. He looked at me, and he was like, I, I hate you. And he, he cut out the stencil, went out and tattooed. We never talked about it again. Then about a month and a half later, maybe, maybe two months, uh, it was like deja vu, exact same scenario. We got a new computer. Uh, I was tattooing. Ricky was in the back getting a stencil ready. This time, it was like an hour. It was forever. He was back there. Um, so I decided to go check on him. It was literally the exact same thing. It was pretty funny. He was sitting there like this, <laughs> shaking his head. And I was like, dude, our computer didn't already break, did it? And he was like, no, the computer's fine, but the printer is busted. And I was like, of course it is. So I look at it. It's a super simple printer. It has a power button and then a green light and then a print button. That's it. And uh, the green light was red. We've never seen that before. And... <laughs> That's unusual. And on the screen it said, uh, printer malfunction, replace printer immediately. I asked him what he did, he's like, I've unplugged it. He switched out the battery again. Literally exact same thing. And I looked at him and I just went like that. <laughs> and he was like, no, dude. And I was like, okay. Jesus, please, just one more time. You've done it once, do it again. And I pressed power and it printed it immediately again. <laughs> <laughs> and this time it like rocked Ricky he was like all right and he took it and the rest of the day he was literally like in a trance the rest of the day we were talking he was like looking through me and he kept saying he was like dude I was back there for an hour and you were back there for 30 seconds and uh so fast forward to last week story is almost over uh Fast forward to last week, it was about nine days ago, it was on Friday. Uh, I showed up at two o'clock, I sleep late. Uh, showed up at two o'clock, Ricky showed up at one, he was in the back, so as soon as I walk in, he was like, I hear him yell from the printing room, he was like, Garrett, I need your Christian magic stuff, dude. <laughs> so, I, uh, I go into the printing room, I'm like, what's up, dude? And he just points at the printer and it had the red dot again. And I was like, dang it, man. And I was scared. I was like, I was super scared because I was like, he's done it twice. I know he can do it a third time, but what, like, that's, it's almost comical at this point. Like, <laughs> three times in a row, I honestly didn't think it would happen again and uh, kind of ashamed of it, but I didn't pray this time. I asked him, like, what are you done to try to fix it? 
And uh, he told me he unplugged it, did all that stuff. And I picked up the printer and I was like, dang it, man. And then as I picked it up, he went, oh, there we go. And the light turned green and it printed it out. And I set it down. I was like, dude. And this time we were both pretty shaken up about it. We were both just like, bro, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. And he asked me, he's like, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, dude, I'm not doing anything. It's Jesus, I promise you. And uh, he looked at me and he's never said anything like this before, but he was like, I believe you. And I believe that Jesus is doing something for you. And I believe he's doing something in this shop. And uh, <laughs> and uh, we haven't talked about it since then. I don't know where he stands right now, but uh, yeah, it was pretty awesome. And I feel like the story's not done yet, so. Jesus, get Ricky. You love that man so much. He's amazing. Okay, I just thought that testimony was so cool. Just God flowing through simple circumstances, through just everyday people, okay? Where am I at here? This is it. Simply put, be a believing believer. All he was doing was being a believing believer, right? That's all you have to do in your life. Be a believing believer. I'll tell one more story, and then we'll wrap up here. Um, I'll give an example of, of God just... No, you know what? I'm going to save the story. No, I'll tell I'll tell it. Okay. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, uh, a couple weeks ago I, was, I was running, and I was um, out of the park. Where I run... Um, at Justine Jones Park, oftentimes people show up there and just they're getting high all the time. Like they're, but which whatever. If you're off the trail, it doesn't really bother me. If you're right on the trail, you're right by the park where my kids are playing. It's like, um, can you please go away? You know. But um, so in this particular case, I'm running down the trail and there's these two these two girls walking away from me and I could tell that they're smoking. And then I passed. I'm like, yeah, I know what they're smoking. You know. And uh, so I'm running. I'm kind of and I've told people like, you know, first of all, it's. I know they're underage. I know they're like 16. They're not 21. So I know it's illegal, you know, what they're doing. And you're not supposed to smoke uh, marijuana in, in public places, at parks and stuff like that. So there's basically two accounts of the, like, you're not supposed to be here right now. And I'm kind of annoyed because I'm running, and when you're breathing really hard, it's like I really don't want to breathe that smoke right now. But, you know, and I've told people, like, hey, can you do that somewhere else or whatever? I've done that a few times. And I pass them up, and I go, I'm thinking, like, okay, I'll run around and maybe talk to them. And um, I go, Lord, is there something you want to do in their life? And, and the Lord speaks to my heart. He says this. He goes, yes. First of all, don't point out their sin. Don't tell them what they're doing is wrong at all. I'm like, okay, I won't tell them. And then I hear the, I hear the Lord speak to my heart, and he says, Ephesians 2.10. And I'm like, I hope it's a good one. So <laughs> get my Bible out. I don't know what Ephesians 2.10 is off the top of my head. So, I'll find it here. I hear the Lord say Ephesians 2.10. There we go. And then this is what else I hear the Lord say. I hear the Lord say, they have a godly heritage. I am speaking to my heart. He says, they have a godly heritage. I said, okay. So Ephesians 2.10, it says this. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so I finish up my run, and these, these girls are still there, and they're, they're actually walking away, and I'm, I'm doing a warm down, and I run past them, 
and I just walk up and, you know, I'm a sweaty mess, so it's probably really weird to them. You know, some sweaty guy comes up, like, hey, um, I feel like I have, a, I have a word from the Lord for you guys. And they're like, okay, <laughs> you know. So I get out my phone, dripping sweat. i like, I feel like the Lord um, just wanted me to give you Ephesians 2.10. It says this, for are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I just feel like God wants you to know from the foundation of the world, he's prepared, he has a plan, purpose, and destiny for you. He's prepared things for you from the beginning of time, and he just wants you to know that. And if you'll just lean into him, he'll show you what those plans are. And they're like, okay, cool, cool. And I said, also, I feel like the Lord t- told me um, that you guys have a godly heritage. And I go, is there anyone in your family who, who's in ministry? Do you have any like, pastors in your family that both like, look at each other? And they're like, yeah, our, our, our aunts. Our aunts in ministry. Our aunts a pastor. And um, I just said, well, I want you to know, this is what I feel like the Lord's saying to you. I want you to know that that heritage, that godly heritage is not just on your aunt, that's actually on your family, that's a family legacy. And I just want to encourage you guys with that. And they're like, oh my gosh, cool, thank you. And that is all I said. And I ran away and just left them with that. Never told them what they were doing, was good or bad. But listen, it was just an example of, I just said, I just want to bless you guys with that. And then I took off running. Like that is just an example of sowing a little bit of, right? Kingdom leaven, right? Into people's life, right? You and I are the same exact way. God gets glory when he flows through us. Simple, everyday situations. He's going to look to him for the setup. He will set you up to just sow little things like that. But listen, at that moment, my, my natural reaction was, I want to tell them to get the heck out of here. I don't want to breathe your marijuana smell. You know what I mean? Like you're at the park. Like you're blocking the trail. Kids are here. You know, that was my natural reaction. But the voice of the Holy Spirit was saying, hey, don't point, don't point it out to them. Not this time. Give them this scripture. Tell them that have a plan, purpose, and destiny for them. Okay, so God gets the glory flowing through you. God, it's a further demotion of the enemy of your soul when God flows through you, amen? Okay, so that's point number four. I'm gonna give you the last point and then we'll close it out here. The last demotion of Satan is this. Satan, Satan, Satan will be cast out forever, all right? I'll just go through this one real fast. Revelation 20, one through three, it says this. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having a, the key to the bottomless pit, and a great chain was in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, the devil, and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. Verse three. And he cast him into the bottomless piss, pit. Did I just say? <laughs> Same thing. Same thing. He cast him to the bottomless pit, and I said nothing else, and shut him up. Everyone say, shut up, devil. All right. And set a seal on him so that he would deceive the nations till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. I'm going to jump down to uh, Revelation 20, verse 7. Now, when the thousand years had expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations, which are in the four corners of the earth. Gog and Magog together uh, will be gathered for battle, those who number the sand of the sea. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and, and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast to the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Okay, that is the final demotion of Satan. He will be dealt with once and for all. The kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God. And every injustice and every 
Everything that has come against you, every injustice, every inadequacy, everything will be crushed on him once and for all. So would you guys stand? I'm going to pray. God, we thank you that you peed on the devil. Okay. The bottomless pee. There's no running away from that now. Garrett, good job, buddy. You should do this more often. Father, we love you. We thank you for uh, your love for us, Lord God. Thank you that um, you, um, the enemy is a defeated foe. You've crushed him under our feet, Lord God. I pray for every individual in this room, God, that we would see ourselves, Lord, as those who you can flow through sim- in simple ways, simple but powerful, Lord God. Every person here is qualified. You are qualified for God to flow through you. I don't care what your past is. I don't care what your mistakes are. I don't care what your inadequacies are. I don't care if you're uneducated. I don't care if you're poor. I don't care if you're dumb. God can flow through you. And I just declare that you are not disqualified from being used by him. And so God, I thank you. You've used people who felt disqualified all throughout, all throughout history, Lord God. And so God, I bless every individual in this place. And I pray, Lord, that you would um, use us and, and speak to us and flow through us. We love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message.